also a special ad-free episode of Talk is Jericho today. Um, just wanted to do a, a quick intro for you guys. It's been crazy for all of us. Um, thankfully, uh, I live on a lake, so I have a little bit more room to kind of stretch out at and all that sort of thing. So um, obviously, if you guys are looking for something to do to watch, Tiger King is ridiculous. So nuts in so many ways. And there's another one that's really cool called Don't with cats don't f with cats um it's really really creepy and crazy in a completely different way so i recommend those two for you guys i watched cabin fever by eli roth the other day which is very apropos and i'm reading the stand by stephen king getting ready to do a a a stephen king uh podcast with jojo feeney should be kind of fun uh from from keeping it 100 conan's podcast so yeah, now's the time to read some books and uh, stay exercising. I've still been doing a lot of kickboxing and you know taking the dogs for some long walks and that sort of thing. A lot of jet skiing going on at my house as well. So um, there's a lot you can still do uh, depending on what your situation is and where you are. And just know that I am here for you guys. You can tweet me at I am Jericho. You can watch uh, the Saturday Night Special. I did my first one last week on Facebook Live, kind of uh, uh, trying it out, checking it out, and had almost 400,000 engagements and 165,000 people watched it. So uh, it's a big success. We're going to do it again this Saturday, the Saturday Night Special uh, featuring Chris Jericho, me. It's going to be on Facebook Live at 9 p.m. Eastern. So uh, come over there and join me. It's cool because you can ask questions. The questions come up on the side of the screen and we sang Judas last week. We did uh, Heavens on Fire. So we'll sing some more songs this week, too, and have some fun. And just uh, stay connected with each other. You know what I mean? That's the best way we can do, the best thing we can do. And um, call your loved ones and reach out to as many people as you can. I get, like, freaking 1,000 texts a day from all my group texts. You can tell everybody's at home and bored <laughs> hearing from people that I never hear from. But um, remember, the idea is to plank the curve, flatten the curve, stay at home, uh, wash your hands and, and uh, keep them away from your face. It's very important we're hearing about that. Keep keep your hands away from your face. As the cases go up, so do the recoveries. Check that out as well. I always go every day to, um, let me just grab the website here for you guys. It is called worldometers.info. That's worldometers.info. Worldometers.info. And that's got so many uh, stats and statistics on there. Um, but the coronavirus, I check it daily. It's got the cases, 854,000 cases, 42,000 deaths, which on a worldwide basis, that's a little bit less than 5%. But what you don't know, here's another one. Almost 177,000 people have recovered from corona. So um, it's good to hear that. And the good news about the states is, even though we have so many cases right now, 185,270 cases and 3,780 deaths. The good news about that, if we can even put it that way, is that's about, um, it uh, looks like about a 1%. Yeah, about 1.9%, I'd say 2, 2%, 2.1%. So it's fairly low. So um, don't panic if you do get it. It's not necessarily a death sentence, but let's try not to get it. How does that sound? And not to spread it to other people. So Stay at home, guys, and uh, like I said, the recoveries are in the hundreds of thousands, and one of them is Nina Noir, who was on the uh, Jericho Cruise, and we're going to hear her, sto- her story right now. She had corona, and then uh, she recovered from it within about 10 days, so 
A little bit of positive news here uh, on the show, ad-free, just for you, and I hope you guys are enjoying listening to Talk is Jericho when you're at home uh, waiting. (laughs) That's what we're doing. We're waiting. So God bless you guys. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And uh, appreciate you continuing to uh, check out the show and and support uh, everything that I'm trying to do to keep you guys entertained. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see you uh, soon. Talk to you soon. And... uh, Don't forget about the Saturday night special, the Saturday, 9 o'clock Eastern on Facebook Live. All right, here's Nina. So uh, as we go through these interesting and strange times, it's getting to the point where everybody is starting to know somebody that knows somebody that has coronavirus. Um, And relieved and happy to say that the first person that I actually know personally that had, had it uh, went through it and uh, came out the other end okay. And that's that's Nina Noir from the Killer Queens who were just on the Jericho cruise. And uh, you were telling me that you just went through quite the experience basically since you got off the ship. Yeah. You know, it was funny. When we were on the cruise, they kept talking about how cruises are a very easy place to spread viruses and germs and to wash your hands a lot and be careful. Mm-hmm. And then when we got off the cruise, there's all this news about the coronavirus starting to pop up. And I was like, oh my God. So I was concerned at first about just what that meant, but um, didn't expect to catch it. It was uh, so crazy too, because you think about how, and we we can talk about the cruise for a bit. It's interesting because people are saying, a lot of people that I know and, and a lot of fans are saying, thank goodness that the cruise, which was the Jericho cruise, which was January 20th to the 24th, that basically took place, was over and done just as the coronavirus started uh, appearing, like as far as what mm-hmm. we were hearing. And it's yeah, so we got in just at the nick of time. Yeah, and it's funny because our cruise was just a blast. And imagine mm-hmm. if that would have been only two weeks later or three weeks later or something along those lines. Yeah, no, it's really, it's really crazy to think about. I'd never really thought, I'd never been on a cruise before, so thank you for having us. That was really, really fun. We had a blast. Well, let's talk about um, that for a bit before we get into kind of the, 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 the dark times. The depressing stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, that does not as depressing <laughs> as it could be. But um, True. I, I sent you the, the little list. when you Every time we do a cruise, you get a survey done of people that were on it, which acts did you like, which acts were your favorite, which ones were ones that you didn't know that you discovered that you loved. And Killer Queens was at the top of the list on almost all of those surveys oh, from the so cruise. Nice to hear. Yeah, so obviously uh, people enjoyed uh, enjoyed w- watching you play. What was your thoughts on on, on the whole on the whole experience? Uh, that it was awesome. That we would do it again and again. Um, I I don't know very much about uh, the wonderful world of wrestling, mm-hmm. so it's been a journey for me to sort of get to know that world and and what it's like and and the fans and how diehard they all are and then how grateful I am now that they're diehard fans for for us. So we've had a lot of them reach out, and uh, Emily and I just did a live stream because we were bored out of our minds and decided, well, let's hang out with the fans for a little bit. And um, and Chavo chimed in and said hello, and and it was just fun to see, you know, that we've made some new friends, and then seeing our fans get really excited to see him joining in, and it's like, oh, this is so cool. It's like a lot of crossover. Um, we actually got to work with uh, Chris Gethard a few years ago, back in 2017. He came and joined us for a song when we were doing the 25th anniversary of um, 
Wayne's World. It was a live read with the stars of Broad City for a live audience. It was 7,000 people at the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium for Comedy Central's Colossal Clusterfest. And, uh, and so Chris joined us on stage and sang a song. And now he uh, just announced that he's going to be um, emceeing the uh, Dark Side of the Ring on Vice. Oh, wow. So I'm like, oh, how funny. Like, even more crossover into that world than I would have thought. So. Right. So tell us about the gigs that you had on, on, on the ship. So we got to play three shows. We played um, sort of this really cool uh, bar. It was our first night and oh, what was it called it was a i always want to call it magnum so that wasn't it yeah it's the magnum or something like that maybe <laughs> yeah magnum that's right. <laughs> right, right, right that was our best show everybody it felt like on the ship was there it was so packed and they were singing at the top of their lungs they were singing so loud i could barely hear myself sing Great. it was awesome and i decided to um do a costume change into sort of a wrestling outfit that i found that had the flash symbol on it, and <laughs> yeah. they lost their mind over that moment. It was just so fun, and we decided to do a Queen song called "The Hitman" because of the wrestler in the <laughs> right. late '80s, early '90s. Bret right? Hart, Hitman. yeah, exactly, of course. Yeah, and then I just watched the Dark Side of the Ring episode on him and learned so much. I had no idea uh, quite the impact that he had, and then sort of the crazy ending of his career. So um, that was really cool. And so you got good reactions. So the, I mean, obviously, everyone knows Queen songs, right? So, and I've, and then when they're being played by by girls, I'm sure they were just as surprised at how good you guys were as you were surprised how good they were as as an audience. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of um, not sure how this is going to go when we first went into the cruise, and we're like, oh, I hope that these these fans are going to be into this music, and then they were into it way more than we expected, and yeah. And um, and then walking around the ship was really fun, getting to meet everybody and hanging out in the hot tub while watching the shows. And it was awesome. I would do it again and again. I think everybody should jump on the the, the Jericho cruise. The one gig that I saw was got cut short by the rain, but it was still <laughs> that was on the main stage, right? Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> I think you were the, one of the only bands that actually got cut down for, for got uh, cut because of the rain. Yeah, yeah, I think we were the only band that got cut because of the rain. Um, and we still had, like, an audience in front of us that was ready for the show, even though it's pouring rain on them. And I'm going, wow, I'm amazing. You guys are here right now. This is, like, miserable. <laughs> what, uh, what, what songs were the most popular ones among, on, on, the, on the Jericho Cruise that you played? Um, well, we had a lot of people saying that they were excited to hear deep cuts. So, like, Dragon really? Attack. Yeah, they were really happy that we were playing not just the hits. Hmm. So... And, and I get that a lot. I think a lot of people come to our show and expect us to just play the most memorable songs, and then that's it. So when we bring out these lesser-known Queen songs, everyone gets so excited. Like which ones? Um, we only um, so we'll play like Dragon Attack, or we'll play. Um, let's see. Well, the one that we really like is uh, it's. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on names. I'm really bad at names. I always tell people this, and it's shocking to me how bad I am at names. Sing a few bars. <laughs> Um, but there's one called Cool Cat, which mm -hmm. is a very unknown Queen song. Um, Super unknown. And whenever we, yeah, whenever we play it, it's always like shocking to the audience because it sounds so different. And it's got kind of a funky bass line and very, it's like very groovy. Um, it sounds like something that would be popular today. Mm. And, uh, and they came up with it, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So they're, they're such incredible songwriters. It's really fun to get to play around with their music. What, uh, what bands or acts did you check out on the cruise that you really enjoyed? I really enjoyed Kick Axe. I thought they were amazing. Nice. 
Yeah. And um, Jared is always phenomenal to see, Jared James Nichols. He's like such an incredible performer and, and singer and, and all around good dude. So that was cool to get to see him perform. Yeah, it's cool when you get a chance to introduce uh, people to bands, even bands like yourself, but, but Kick Axe for sure, because I was a huge fan of theirs when I was you know, in junior high school, high school, 14, 15, 16 years old, and they kind of just never really got the big break that they should have got. So when people saw them, they're like, who the hell are these guys? And they're total road road dogs. You can tell they're just great, yep. uh, great at putting on a show no matter what time of day they had great crowds for all their for all their shows but you know you, i always love when you see the true pros of the music business which are guys that have been doing it or girls for, for years and years and years and, and uh mm-hmm. you know people are pleasantly surprised because kick axe was on the list with killer queens as well as far as uh acts that people were surprised and happy that they got to see yeah i had never heard of them before and it's it's very obvious that they've been doing it for a very 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 long time mm-hmm. and there is Something about musicians who do it for their entire lives, they just tap into this other stream of consciousness when they're on stage and they're performing. And it's always amazing to watch because I'm like, wow, you guys are really in tune with every note, every beat, everything. It's like, right. it's fascinating. How to, how to start a show, how to, how to you know, end a show, all that sort of stuff really, you, they're just little things that you notice when you're a professional. Like, wow, they really ended that show on a high, or you know, they really started that show perfectly. I, I like that yeah, sort of vibe. Yeah, you know? it's things that I feel like other musicians are the ones that really tap in and go, like, wow, they were so tight on that change, and like, wow, they got from that song to that song so effortlessly. Or like, I really love their stage performance, and like, you know, we we look at shows so differently. Exactly, exactly, and it's things that we see, but subtly f- fans notice and they might not be able to to put their finger on it right. but it's something that, like you said that those are the true pros that we can uh that we can suss out there so so yeah. tell us kind of what happened you, the, the cruise was good you're finished in january and and you go back yeah. you live in the bay area right i do i live in the san francisco bay area here in um santa clara county which is also known as silicon valley Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I actually went to hang out with some friends I made on the cruise in Vegas. Okay. Right. Um, so I went to go see red cup Jeff and I got to hang out with, uh, Craig gas and, uh-huh. you know, we were having a good time going to the Cirque shows and seeing other performers and going all a bunch of shows. It was really fun. And, uh, when I came back, I had a really, really bad sore throat mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, Oh man, I guess I'm coming down with like strep throat. Cause that's kind of what it felt like. So I called up my doctor and said, hey, I need to come in and, and get a, you know, a swab and some antibiotics. And she fought me pretty hardcore about coming in. And uh, you know, this was like March 8th, 9th, somewhere around there. And, um, and she's going, you know, we're pretty overloaded right now. It's very dangerous to come in because of how contagious the coronavirus is. We have a lot of patients here. So I'd highly recommend that you don't come in. I'm like, well, I know that if I don't get antibiotics for strep throat, that it can turn into scarlet fever and other problems. Mm-hmm. So um, I kept telling her, I think that's what this is. Like, please just let me come in. I just need to get swabbed. And she's like, okay, okay, that's fine. So I go in and she she decides to test me for everything she can. And she tells me that at this time that there are no coronavirus tests available. So she cannot test me for that. But she also didn't think at the time that that's what it was. She just wanted to do her due diligence. So she tested me for strep. She tested me for mono. She tested me for the flu. 
she went above and beyond testing me for like every single thing that she could think of, including even STDs. I mean, she was just like, mm. here's all the tests, you know? <laughs> right, 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 right. And um, she called me back the next day after all the results came back. And she goes, well, everything came back negative. She goes, so I'm concerned now that you might have actually picked up the coronavirus. And the reason for that concern is that when I was in Vegas, um, one of the MGM hotels that I was staying in had a conference and they had several confirmed coronavirus cases. And then when I flew out of the San Jose airport, three of the TSA members there had the coronavirus. Oh, wow. So she's going, you have been exposed to it, I'm sure. There's no way around not being exposed to it in that environment. So she quarantined me and said, let me know how your symptoms go. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, oh, all right, this is being a little paranoid, but that's fine. So I stayed home. I didn't go anywhere. And then maybe four days into it, I started to develop a really high fever and, and then a really intense cough. Mm -hmm. And so I, I um, called her back and said like, hey, I have a fever of 101, 102, and I have this really bad cough. And she goes, yeah, yep. I definitely think you have the coronavirus. Like, please don't go anywhere just stay there. And I'm like, okay, can I get tested though? And she said, no, because I'm not considered high risk mm -hmm. and they only have a limited number of tests. Hmm. So, so you're not high risk because of what reasons? Because I don't have any pre-existing or pre-existing health conditions mm -hmm. and I, I'm not over the age of 65. Um, I don't, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I don't have like asthma. I'm not a heavy smoker. I'm not a big drinker. Like I don't have anything that might compromise my system. Mm -hmm. So she told me, you know, I'm going to quarantine you for 14 days by that time, you should go through everything and get over it. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Mm -hmm. She'd given me a bottle of ibuprofen before I had left when I saw her and, uh, and said, you know, if you're having any pain, just take this. So when the headache or sorry, when the fever started, I got a headache that came with it and the headache was really intense. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to take some of this ibuprofen and feel better. And then my cough got extremely worse. Like it was shocking to me how intense all of a sudden my cough became hmm. um, to the point where I was not able to catch my breath. I was having a hard time talking. I was like really winded. I started freaking out. So just by luck, I'm like on Facebook or one of those social networking things. And someone posts a article that says, if you have the coronavirus, do not take ibuprofen. It will make the symptoms worse. Right. And I was shocked because that was what my doctor had given me. Wow. So I immediately stopped taking it, and then I have a bunch of friends that reached out to try and help, including some fans, which was amazing. So they reached out through Facebook, and many of them came by and dropped off groceries, and one of them dropped off a bunch of Tylenol for me. So, so you put up on your Facebook page that you were feeling sick, and fans were responding by making deliveries to you? Yeah. That's Isn't really that amazing? Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, just quickly before, before we move forward, so when you went in to see the doctor – she said there, there, there was no tests available, aka they're saving them because there's not enough, not enough made. I guess like not enough actual uh, testing kits, shall we say, uh, in the closet awaiting people to to use them. Right. Wow. Okay. Yes, and I think this is a huge problem that we are experiencing because the numbers that they are reporting are only the confirmed cases. So my case, for example, was never reported. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at these numbers where they're going, oh, in Santa Clara County, we have, you know, 200 confirmed cases. And they go, if there's 200 confirmed, 
how many unconfirmed cases are there? Because right, yours would be considered unconfirmed. Uncon- correct. Yes. Mine would be considered unconfirmed. And uh, that's, that's concerning to me because I think that the media is reporting on these numbers and our country is saying, oh, look, we've got it under control. We only have this many numbers. But it's, it's a lie. It's not true. These numbers are gravely misconstrued. And, and from what I remember, San Francisco and the counties up there were the first to kind of impose the stay-at-home lockdown uh, in, mm-hmm. in the country, correct? Yes, yes. So you were already we, on stay-at-home lockdown. I was already, I was on the lockdown a week prior to everybody else being locked down, so. And what does um, that mean for you in San Francisco? Well, for me, luckily, I, I live alone, and so it was easy for me to quarantine myself without a lot of worry. Mm-hmm. Um, I do teach voice lessons, and my students, when I told them, they immediately freaked out and wanted to know if I potentially had gotten them um, you know, sick or, or exposed them to the coronavirus. And from everything that I understood, I got it while I was in Vegas or went on that trip. So they were fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but now the whole area is on lockdown, and there's now... Today, they're going to actually announce whether or not they're going to enact martial law. Meaning, what is martial law, I wonder? Right. You're Canadian, I forget. (laughs) (laughs) Explain what that is. So, martial law is where the government um, institutes ruling over the people using military forces. Mm. So, typically, this happens during a time of war, but sometimes it will happen during a natural disaster or, in this case, a pandemic. Right. And what that means is that like curfews will be in place and there will be military in the streets. And we've already started to see a little bit of that, like, you know, people driving around, taking pictures and posting to social media. Like there's a whole bunch of, you know, armored Hummers like everywhere in Cupertino right now. What's going on? Why are there all these armored Hummers everywhere? And, and one of my friends told me three or four days ago that um, he's in the military. And, uh, and he goes, yeah, my buddies and I were all laying in wait for the governor to enact martial law. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no, because that means it's going to be harder to go out and do anything because you could get, we already can get ticketed. So a lot of people that I know have gotten $400 tickets for, for being out and about, for not being six feet away from somebody that they were talking to in the wow. parking lot of the grocery store. I mean, they're really cracking down and, uh, it's, and handing out that it, it seems to me that like the, the, the problem that I have with this is if we're going to do that and we need to do it, then why aren't we doing it all across the country? You know what I mean? Like just like right. your your neck of the woods is under almost martial law. My neck of the woods in Tampa, Florida, we don't have a lockdown yet. Our governor won't do it. It seems very mm-hmm. patchwork. Well, that's that's part of the problem with the United States is that you know we do have individual states and those individual states can have their own laws and can rule with their own, you know, thought process on things. We don't necessarily have one governing party, even though we do have an overall federal government, the individual state governments have a lot of power, Mm -hmm. which is good in a lot of ways, but not so good maybe in this scenario. So, right, right, right. Okay. So let's go back to it. So, so now you have this intense headache. Um, You're, you're, you're under, under quarantine, and you found out that you have, for sure, the coronavirus. Yes. And I made the mistake of taking ibuprofen, which made my cough. Right. And that's been now said. To, to, if you take that, it uh, intensifies the, the, the symptoms because it attacks your, your, your lungs and bronchial area and that sort of thing. Yes. It also apparently attacks your kidneys. 
So mm. a couple days after I switched to Tylenol instead of ibuprofen, I woke up at two in the morning in excruciating pain. Wow. And I got out of bed to get some water because I wasn't feeling good. And as soon as I stood up, I was like, oh, my God, I know what this is. I have a kidney infection. Hmm. The last time I'd had a kidney infection, I was like 19. And I woke up in excruciating pain and had to go to the hospital. And then they explained to me that it was a kidney infection and here's what to do. So I knew right away, okay, there's something wrong with my kidneys. They're inflamed. And I couldn't walk. I was in so much pain. I was, I'm all alone. So I'm going, oh, my God, what do I do? Hmm. I live in a two-story house. And my kitchen is downstairs. Hmm. So I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to feed myself? <laughs> like, wow. I was really struggling. And so I called my mom and, and told her, and she was really worried. So she's like, well, go to the hospital. And I'm like, I don't know. They keep telling me not to go to the hospital. Don't come in. I mean, my doctor basically said, yeah, you have the coronavirus. Don't come back. Hmm. Like, there's um, nothing the we can only- do because you're not in this yeah. super risk category. They also don't have a cure for it. So there's nothing they can do. Right. You know, she said, the only thing that we can do is if you are having extreme difficulty breathing, we can put you on a ventilator. That's it. That's all they have. And that's why the hospitals are getting overwhelmed. They only have a certain number of ventilators. And now all these people are desperate for them. And that's what we've been seeing in Italy. You know, they're like 3D printing ventilator tubes and like trying to hook several people up to one ventilator. And like, you know, it's getting right. desperate, desperate times. So, um, so I called Kaiser to talk to somebody cause I thought, well, I'll just check in with them and see if they have any advice as to what I can do right now. And, uh, it was a two hour wait to talk to anybody on the phone. And Kaiser's like a medical advice on the phone or what is Kaiser? Um, so Kaiser is a hospital that you can get insurance through. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, being a musician, I'm self-employed and so I have to pay for my own insurance and Kaiser has a good program and they're a good price. And I've so far really enjoyed being with them. I've had Kaiser for probably six years now. I used to be with Blue Cross Blue Shield, but mm-hmm. that was not fun. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so I called up Kaiser and was like going to let them know, like, hey, I'm really having a hard time. Something's really wrong. I don't know why my kidneys are suddenly inflamed, but I need help. And the recorded message kept repeating over and over again, do not come to the hospital. Do not come to the hospital unless you're having severe difficulty breathing. Do not come to the hospital. Hmm. And all I can think is anybody who gets in a car accident or like cuts their finger or like does something where they need medical attention, it's going to be very difficult to get it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that I was thinking. Like if you did have like even this morning we found, we live on a lake and there was a, a copperhead kind of swimming around him. My son's yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to take my machete. I'm like, don't. If you get bitten by a snake, like, mm-hmm. I don't even know where I could take you. Like, I could probably take you to yeah. emergency, but I'm sure right now there's so many people in emergency because they have kidney infections and bad coughs and all these sort of things. You know, where do you start yeah. drawing the line and, and taking numbers to see who needs help more, you know? Well, yeah, and that's the issue that they're facing right now in the hospitals is they have to make those decisions as to who gets the care and who doesn't because they only have a limited number of nurses and doctors and and hospital beds and everything else and it's like oh my god you know I don't I really feel for them because that's not a decision I think anyone should ever have to make right yeah and so you know it's stay at home and be safe be very careful don't do anything that might be risky because getting medical attention right now is going to be very difficult so, so you're calling Kaiser, they're telling you not to come to the airport. And how many days into this are you? So from the sore throat to the kidney infection, it's probably 
six or seven days from the fever and the cough to the kidney infection. It was maybe four days. Do you remember what day it was when you got the sore throat? Uh, yes. So I got the sore throat uh, the Monday I came back from Which Vegas. was March? Uh, March 8th or 9th. I don't know what the Okay, because I can remember specifically. So we, we were doing AEW shows. And on March 11th, we were in Salt Lake City. And we were still thinking about doing Rochester on the 18th. And then we had this huge show at the Prudential Center in Newark on the 25th. And I went to the ring. Uh, I don't know, let's say 940. And we were still talking. I think we're going to make it. I think we're going to make it. And then at 10 o'clock when I came back through, in that 20-minute time frame, the NBA had canceled. Tom Hank was, Hanks was diagnosed. And everything everything was canceled. Oh, so th- I remember specifically, March 11th is when everything switched. So March 8th, you've got a sore throat. So March, you got a sore throat. Uh-huh. And then yeah. here we are six days later when the world completely had switched and shifted over to this lockdown yeah. situation. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I was right at that cusp of sort of everything wasn't so bad to everything's falling apart. Right, <laughs> and, right, right, right. And all of my shows are canceling. So all of my March and April shows have canceled. We're looking at May now wondering if they're going to come through. I can't book any shows into the summer because nobody's booking. Everybody that I was talking to, we were trying to do this East Coast tour in July. Really excited about it. We're playing a festival in Pennsylvania. So I started looking at Chicago and, and you know, Indiana and Virginia and like everything that's kind of around that area and seeing what I can drum up and uh all of them have stopped talking to me they're all like out of the office not booking right now not taking calls i'm like oh no right we 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 just announced today that we had to cancel our april may tour and this is a tour that was like at 80 percent sold out with you know five weeks to go and then now we just had to to rebook it all for july august and hopefully that'll be enough time you know, yeah, who's to most say, of right? my shows are rebooking for September and October. Like they're not taking any chances, gotcha. so everything got shifted to October. And I'm going, oh my god, you know, this is the main source of of my income as sure. well as my bandmates. So it's a little concerning to suddenly think, wow, we're going to be out of work for several months. And and lots of musicians that live on the road and make a living not only as the musicians on stage, but also their crew are out of work. Right. And, uh, and there's no real knowing as to when they'll come back. One of my friends almost got stuck in Italy. He's, a, he's this amazing drummer named Gene Coy, and he plays uh, for a bunch of jazz bands. He used to tour with Seal. He's, like, he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And um, he was out in Italy with a band, and then he had to come back home for another tour in the States. And, uh, and he said that three day, like they had three dates left on their Italian tour before he had to leave. And uh, they get word that, they're going to stop flights coming in and out of Italy. And mm. so the band leader immediately called it and was like, nope, we're not playing any more shows. We're going right to the airport. We have to get out of here. And I'm thinking to myself, you could have gotten stuck in a country that is being so severely impacted and you yeah. wouldn't have had any way out of there. No, and, and that's, I mean, I know uh, you talk about Jared James Nichols. He got out right before the country shut down. Um, I know okay. Phil X was over there from Bon Jovi's band. Paul DeLeo, who was in Fozzy for years, he plays with the, the German, uh, German lady, Nana, super popular in Germany. He went over there once again on the 10th. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? Uh-huh. He's like, no, it's fine. I'll be there to the 21st. We got some rehearsals. We got some gigs. On the 14th, he got out just in time and then had to do two weeks quarantine when he got back to the States after wow. the CDC had you know given him the, the temperature gun uh, at immigration. So 
musicians all around the world, entertainers, you know, comedians, there's no work for anybody because no one can go out and do anything. Yeah, I mean, our our job is based on large gatherings of people. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> that right there just shuts it down. So go yeah. back to, to to you being kind of like you mentioned. Now you have this fever and this kidney disease. You're talking to Kaiser. They're saying, "Do not come in," and you mm-hmm. live by yourself in a stay at home quarantine situation. Are you feeling kind of getting a little bit scared at this point? I was terrified. Hmm. That was the first time I was actually terrified. Like the whole time, it was it felt like a kind of mild flu. You know, I had a cough, I had a fever, but I didn't really have any aches or pains. I didn't have like a runny nose. I didn't really feel sick. I just felt off Hmm. and knew that this cough was really bad. It's a dry cough. So it burns every time you cough, it burns Hmm. all the way down into my lungs. And being a singer, I have trained myself to avoid coughing. Coughing is really, really bad for your vocal cords. Mm -hmm. So I go above and beyond to avoid coughing. And I couldn't control my breath well enough to prevent the coughs from happening, which was scary because as somebody who doesn't have breath control quite in the same way as I do, really would not be able to control the coughing. Right. And, uh, and that's where the disease can actually kill you. It's, it, it basically suffocates you. Mm. And um, so, you know, now I've got this kidney pain. I can barely walk. I'm freaking out, like just losing my mind over it. And my parents are in their late 60s. So, of course, my mom wants to come racing to my side. And I'm like, don't you dare. Mm-hmm. You have to stay away from me. And that was not what she wanted to hear. Right. And uh, so I had a friend who I didn't know, just a Facebook follower, who had reached out when I would first said that I was not feeling well on Facebook and that I was being quarantined and told me that she runs a nonprofit for women's health and that she wanted to know if I needed anything and that she'd be there to help me. And so I reached out to her and I said, Hey, I'm really terrified. I can't see my doctor right now. I don't know what's wrong with me. I emailed my doctor and saying like, Hey, I'm having a really bad kidney pain. Um, I think I have a kidney infection. And she said, there's not a whole lot that we can do for you. Um, if you're really in a lot of pain, you know, take some pain medication, try taking some you know, cranberry pills and flush your system. It'll, it'll get better. You're going to be okay. If it gets really, really bad, then come in, but really don't come in. Mm -hmm. Try, Mm -hmm. try your best not to come in. So this girl reaches out and she, and I start talking and I tell her what I'm experiencing. And she tells me that she suffers a lot from a UTI, a urinary tract infection. Mm -hmm. So she tells me about this product that you can buy over the counter called Azo, A-Z-O. And it's basically a painkiller for this specific type of pain. Um, so she brings over a bunch of boxes of that and a ton of water for me and a bunch of you know food from the grocery store. And she brings me some chicken noodle soup that she made from scratch and just so, so, so sweet. And, um, and I felt so grateful because I didn't actually know her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started taking the Azo and within 20 minutes, I started to feel so much better. Hmm. And by the end of the day, I was like able to move around and was totally fine again. And I was like, oh my God, she just saved my life. Like, I don't know what I would have done if it wasn't for this product and, um, and this random stranger. That was a fan of the Killer Queens. Yes, yes, that follows me on social media and, and is a big fan. So It's amazing that you have such a huge fan base in the Bay Area that could get to you that quickly. That's great. Well, this is our, our hometown, so we play here the most. This mm. is probably our, our number one stomping ground to play shows. So I got really lucky in that I call them super fans. Whenever I have a fan who comes to all of our shows and is super supportive and wants to send me gifts or take care of me in some way, I call them a super fan. Mm-hmm. 
because to me they're superheroes. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. So once you took the a- AZO, then uh-huh. your kidney starts feeling better. So how, and how many days in are you at this point? So this is like day four, maybe day five. And by day six or seven, like, it, you know, it's kind of hard to know exact dates, but um, I started to feel a hundred times better. Hmm. And then my cough was only happening if I moved around a lot. So as long as I kind of stayed sedentary and didn't get up and move around a whole lot, I wasn't coughing as much anymore. My fever still persists. I still get a little bit of a fever from time to time, and I still have a little bit of a cough now. And right now we're at day 14. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm pretty much back to normal, and I started going back to work because I can't actually not work. And what kind of work are you doing? Uh, teaching virtual voice lessons. See, that's the thing that a lot of uh, a lot of musicians are doing is the virtual lessons and, and trying to keep. I know a lot of guys that whose main gig is completely music lessons at, at shops, and now now they have to go completely viral to continue to just you know stay employed. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I never really wanted to be a voice teacher for most of my life. I kept thinking that that was like somehow a cop out, or right. like I I couldn't be a professional, so I taught instead. And, um, and as I got to be, uh, a little bit older and starting to see that, you know, being a full-time musician has a lot of ups and downs. So sometimes you're booked solid and you're playing crazy amounts of shows. And then other times there's like nothing really on the books. Right. And, uh, and so I started going, yeah, maybe I should teach to, uh, kind of fill in some of those gaps. And then I fell in love with teaching. I had no idea how much I would love teaching. Um, and so now it's my favorite job I've ever had. And, uh, and I, I have amazing students. They reach out all the time when I told them that I was sick and I was like, I'm not gonna be able to teach right now. Like I'm really sick. Several of them just sent me money anyways, Hmm. because they knew I needed it. Right. So they were like, no worries. Like just hit me up when you're feeling better. Here's, you know, a hundred bucks for the lesson we would have had. Don't, don't worry about it. Right. 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 Wow. That's, that's amazing. Like, thank you so much for, for doing that. yeah, I mean, like he's like he just so you know, we did a tour with Mr. Big a few years ago, and Paul Gilbert, oh, yeah. in between shows or before the shows, he told me he has about fifty students that he works with. That's Paul Gilbert. He's it doesn't get much more professional than that as far as just a great musician. So I think, like you said, teaching is, is an aptitude, and if you can do it, I don't care if you're Freddie Mercury or you know Joe Schwartz at the Home Depot. If you can do it and people <laughs> right. want to see you do it, then that's that's cool. Yeah. And I got, I got really lucky. Like I have, I have about 30 to 40 students every week and, and, um, they're always very consistent and I've gotten so many students to grow exponentially with their voice. And it's phenomenal to get to see somebody go from wanting to sing to singing so well that Mm -hmm. they're like, I think I can actually join this band now and do these gigs and record this album. And, you know, I help my students write songs and I help them figure out how to you know, get gigs and tour and what that looks like. And it's very different Mm -hmm. when you're singing for fun versus singing every single night for two hours a night. That's a a very different vocal regime. So, um, so yeah, so I got really, really lucky with all of that. And, um, and now I'm back to being healthy and I'm just sort of chilling in, in lockdown and going, all right, well, I guess I'm still stuck in this quarantine. <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you this. And normally, you, obviously, you never ask a lady this, but how old are you? Oh, I never like to say this, okay. but that's are, because that's only because the entertainment world wants but, girls to be it, so young. It, in, in, your, <laughs> in, uh, in your late 20s, early 30s, somewhere in that area? 
Yeah, I'm I'm 34. Okay, I'm going to so be the, 35 this year. So the reason why I'm asking this is once again is the the reason why is because it's very important so people hear this because I think one of the misconceptions is that you won't catch coronavirus unless you're in your 60s or 70s or you have pre-existing conditions and here is a very healthy vibrant you know early 30s woman who catches this disease so i think that's very it's very um important to let people know that that anybody is is susceptible to this yes and here's the scariest part about it is that my story that i just told you about how i experienced it is mild that is a very mild case Hmm. Uh, what I experienced, it wouldn't even be classified as something to be concerned about right. in the medical world, even though I became terrified at one point and was unable to walk and was struggling to breathe. This was mild. And I work out all the time and I eat a plant-based diet predominantly, not mm. 100%, but you know, I try. And yeah. um, I don't have any pre-consisting illnesses or conditions. I'm, I'm very much healthy, and, uh, and my case was mild, and it was difficult to get through. That was not an easy illness. Mm-hmm. I was really taken back by how difficult that was. So anytime I come across someone, including my parents even, who like to go, oh, it's no big deal. We're all going to get it. It's, mm-hmm. it's what I'm like, yeah, really don't get it. Like do everything you can to not catch this because it's, it's not easy. It's a very difficult illness. It's not like anything I had experienced before. It does not feel like a regular cold, mm-hmm. um, which makes me wonder how this got started because I don't understand where this came from exactly. But um, as far as the disease itself or where you actually picked it up? No, the disease itself, Hmm. like it felt so different than a regular cold. And uh, there's a lot of conspiracy theories as to like why this got started. You know, is it because they were eating bats? Is Hmm. it because it came from a lab? Is this chemical warfare? You know, and and your mind can absolutely jump to all these fears of like, oh my gosh, is this the new war? You know? Were you reading a lot uh, online and kind of... uh, Yes. watching the news. Let me ask you this. Was, 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 if you did, well, first of all, did you go online quite a bit to research? Yeah. So I'm a researcher. Yeah. That's what I like to do. I, I don't know why I'm this way, but I went to Penn state university for environmental economics and policy. Um, and basically it was a, a bachelor's of science. And so all I did was research and, um, I still am that way. Mm-hmm. So, right. So yeah. So when I caught this, I started doing research and when my kidneys got infected, you know, I immediately went to, to Google search and, um, I do go- mostly I do Google scholar because that gives you better articles. And I typed in, you know, uh, coronavirus kidney and just let's see what pops up. And this article out of Italy from a lab out there was reporting on the fact that coronavirus attacks the kidneys. And then I started seeing that if you take ibuprofen, it makes coronavirus more intense. And then it also impacts your kidneys harder. Mm-hmm. So uh, the biggest mistake that I made was taking ibuprofen while I was sick. That was that was the worst mistake I could have made. And I had no idea at the time. Mm. So I'm a little concerned that I've done permanent damage to my kidneys mm-hmm. only because, you know, I didn't have a UTI. I didn't have like the standard reason for a kidney infection. So I don't know what necessarily caused it. And, uh, and I won't be able to find out for several weeks. Like, I won't be able to go and get a physical and right. check everything and make sure I'm okay for several weeks. So I just kind of... What you're seeing on the news, is this... Are you saying, okay, that's true, that's not true? Is it scaring you? Is it, is, is the, is it not telling the full story? 
Yeah, the news is interesting because they report one fact and then it comes out that that's not actually a fact and they don't go back and say, oh, we were wrong. It's actually this. Mm -hmm. And I can't stand that. I'm like, can you guys please like have some accountability for what you're reporting on? People are going through mass hysteria right now. And I think that we do need to be afraid of this in order to prevent it. There are some people who are not afraid of it and they're going to be spreading it. You know, for example, some of the people I was hanging out with in in Vegas who are good friends of mine that I really love weren't showing signs of it. I had to call everybody and say, hey, I exposed you to the coronavirus. And instead of being like, oh, my God, I better quarantine myself right away. They continued to fly nationwide. And it's like, hey, come on. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And that's and that's something, too, that you just did that. Like, I haven't read, you know, once again, the ibuprofen thing. They should be spreading that everywhere. Do not take ibuprofen. If you get corona, make sure it's like when you get, you know, SCD or something, they tell you, make sure you go tell everybody that you've had sex with that you have this. Make sure you tell everybody you've been in contact with that you have this. They're not really saying that. No. Yeah. They're just quarantine yourself and don't talk to anybody and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, I survived. I didn't die. I'm totally still here. Everything's okay. Mm -hmm. But I would have really liked to have known that I shouldn't have taken ibuprofen. I would have really liked to have known that it was going to affect my kidneys and, you know, other organs. I still have stomach cramps every once in a while, which is weird, mm-hmm. you know, and I try not to trip on it. I just go, okay, this is what it is. I'm just going to keep eating my whole food plant-based diet because there's a lot of research that shows that that actually repairs the body and can reverse diseases and mm-hmm. and do some amazing things for you. So I stay away from processed food and eat healthy and exercise again and just do my best. And you think you got it though when you went to Vegas? That's when it was first starting to become more prevalent? I am certain that that's when I had it because um, so it has a two day to 14 day incubation. Mm -hmm. So there is a potential that I had it prior to going to Vegas. But prior to going to Vegas, I was, you know, I wasn't really traveling very much. I was just kind of like staying nearby. And none of my students have it. None of the people at the music school that I'm at every week have it. Um, The only place I could have, like, confirmed to have gotten it is from the airport where the TSA workers were confirmed to have it or in Vegas where they had confirmation that there were people staying at the same resort that I was at had it. And so uh, that's where I go. Oh, I must have. I must have gotten it from traveling. There's no real way to know, but I had to let everybody that I've been in contact with over the last, you know, end of February, beginning of March, know that I had been diagnosed, not confirmed. And and let me tell you, by the way, everyone that I mentioned this to asked me immediately if I was confirmed. And when I tell them that I can't be tested mm-hmm. or that they won't test me, brushes it off. Oh, well, then you don't really know that you have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yes, I can't confirm that I have it, but I'm pretty darn certain that that's what I just went through. Well, I mean, Nina, just from what you're talking about, and like I said, I think that's a whole underlying thing about this conversation. And this is why I wanted to talk to you, A, so people can understand that when you get this, it's not a death sentence, but B, that there's still a lot of underestimating this and a lot of denial in the fact that we have whatever it is today, 14,000 cases, but you had it, already got through it. So A, you were never a confirmed case, and you're also not a confirmed uh, recovery. Right, so right. that's two statistics that were – because, once again, they're not really promoting the fact that there's 330 cases worldwide, but 110,000 have recovered. How many have had it that weren't 
kind of on the list and how many have got over that one on the list. That's, that's a very important stat. Yeah, and I, I feel like this is a very important stat for the world to mm. understand the coronavirus better. And I think this is where we're doing a huge disservice, not just to our own country, but to the world at large and to the scientific community that is studying this virus. Mm-hmm. You know, these these statistics are extremely important. And I feel like our political game is let's keep the numbers low so that we don't look bad to the rest of the world and that, you know, we can go around touting that, oh, we've only had this many cases. We had it under control. It's not a big deal, which is very dangerous. I feel like having an ego like that is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think people need to be more concerned about the scientific community getting the research that they need done so that we can understand this virus better and that hopefully we can eradicate it because we really don't need this to turn into the common flu. Like this is not easy to deal with. And, uh, and the flu is not easy to deal with. We've had the flu, you know, been the worst flu in however many years happened this year. And the flu vaccine didn't work on this strain of the flu. And like, you know, a lot of people ended up dying more confirmed cases died from the flu so far than the coronavirus, and hopefully it stays that way. But well, I, I think you know, and, that, and that's a dangerous because I was on that tip at first. Well, it's like you know, we're, we're this is the common flu is worse than this, but the difference is, you know, if you have thirty-four million people with the flu and there's twenty thousand dead, okay, we've got three hundred or whatever we've got in the states of you know whatever twenty million people million. or twenty thousand people have it and you know, 4% are dead. So what if three, three, 34 million people get the corona and it's 4% death rate? That's 1.3, 1.4 million people. Right, right. And that's their biggest concern. That's what they're the most afraid of is like this has a higher death rate than, than right. the flu. So it can become much more deadly, which is why we're all on lockdown and why we need to keep washing our hands and staying away from each other as best we can. And just a, a few more questions. When when you get this, and, and you've mentioned you're a researcher, can you contract it again? Well, that's where the question lies. So I have been researching that a lot because I'm very curious as to what the findings have been. And I've recently found a few different articles from several different countries. There's one out of UK, one out of Canada, one out of Italy, um, that are all saying that there is a 90% chance of relapse. Hmm. For people who have already had it and that the second time around with it, it's much more deadly. And I am trying to find anything that says that that's not supported yet Mm -hmm. because uh, there's a lot of opinion articles that say that that's not supported. But I don't like to read opinion articles. I like to read medical journals. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, And so I'm a little concerned that that's a really high percentage. And why that is, is it because the virus lays dormant for a while and then comes back? And if that's the case, then I need to continue to stay away from people because if it comes back then, or if it's laying dormant, I can still be infecting people Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be spreading this at all. So, so yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, A lot of people were hoping that once you catch it, you're immune to it. Right. And that's what I was hoping for as well. But uh, so far, that doesn't seem to be the case. So we're going to have to just give it a few more weeks and see what happens and uh, and see what the reports are and hope that everyone's doing their, their due diligence and reporting the cases because that's the most important thing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, it, it, and like you said, when we don't really know exactly what the, what the full spectrum is, of this is you know and i think at first and once again 
I, I've just read today that some guys from Testament have it, and maybe some guys from from yeah. Exodus that they were just on tour of Europe, and, and they came back March twelfth, and then you know once again. I didn't really know anybody that has it, but but I do know you, and that's why when you told me you had it, I thought it was very interesting to to discuss this. Um, what advice do you have for people that might have it, uh, uh, that don't have it yet? I mean, do you have anything that you want to kind of say about it now that you've been through yeah. it? Yeah, so, so my biggest sort of, um, I don't know, my soapbox right now, I guess, if you will, is constantly telling people whether or not you have it. You need to be cautious about being around other people because some people don't show any symptoms for several days or weeks, and some people never show symptoms but have it. So this is a very interesting virus. If you have a certain blood type, for example, like they say blood type A is more susceptible to getting severely sick. Blood type O is more susceptible to being a carrier Mm -hmm. and not having any symptoms. And I wonder if, you know, some of the people I was with in Vegas are carriers because they are not showing any symptoms. But, you know, I was very, very involved in close proximity to to them. And I'm thinking, how is it possible that you didn't catch this? Mm. So being overly paranoid right now is definitely the best case scenario. There's nothing that is going to to hurt you if you just are super cautious and always washing your hands and staying six feet away from somebody else and staying inside your house and just buckling down for a little bit until hopefully they can figure this out in a timely manner and you don't lose your job or, or struggle financially. Mm -hmm. Um, you have the means to stay home and work from home, do it. If you have the ability to stay away from others, stay away from them. If you, the very least wear a mask, wear gloves, change those gloves often, wash your hands constantly, like just be really cautious about the items that you do touch and when you are going out and about to get groceries, for example, bring sanitizer wipes and just wipe down the handle on the grocery cart. You know, it's like little things that we don't really think of. Door handles, you know, pushing things open, pushing a cart. We don't really think, oh, I'm contaminating my hands when I do this. Mm-hmm. But you absolutely are. So, uh, and this is a very scary virus. And um, and then, yeah, I feel for all the people who are living paycheck to paycheck because this is not going to be a good time for them. So if you guys have extra income right now that you, you know, can share, like donate to people who need it because they're going to struggle and our whole economy needs to continue. So I think it's one of those things too. And, and, and whether, you know, I had an infectious disease doctor on, on the show last week. And he was saying that if you look kind of at what the, the, the arc of what China is going through, it kind of is is what we might be going through, even though now we're hearing that it might even be getting worse. But you are looking at a 10-week, 14-week kind of arc for this. Mm-hmm. The only good news is with like the Great Depression, there was just no jobs and no money. I think here, once we get over it, people will be ready to get out of the house and ready to go spend some money and kind of uh, be a part of yeah. society again. So. Hopefully, I mean, it's different for bands because you got to put your, your tickets on sale two, three months before your shows. But right. still, I, I hope that we kind of are able to jump right back into it uh, as soon as we kind of get over the worst of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely planning the I Survived tour for the Killer Queens. <laughs> That's what I said. Another one did not bite the dust. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and like, I want everyone to come out and celebrate life and be with each other and, and be excited to be back out enjoying life. And, 
and when you're at home, you know, you can still be social. Like I decided I, you know, bored and I don't know what to do with my time. So I decided to start a virtual karaoke night. So I, on Facebook, you can join the quarantine karaoke room and uh, come have a party with us. And I, I did it for the first time last night and it was super fun. A bunch of people that I've never met before jumped on and sang some songs and we just got to hang out with each other and sort of forget how, uh, the state of the world is right now. And I think we need a little bit of those releases that's in a, a healthy way. That's a really cool idea. So what is, what is the tag? Quarantine karaoke room. And it's every week, every night. Um, so I just started it, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so far we have like 250 people who have joined the group. So um, we did our first party last night. We had maybe 16 singers and 140 people tune in to watch the live stream that's that great. goes to the group. Yeah, and so I'm going to try and do it again this Friday. Uh, once everyone's off from their virtual work week, we'll uh, we'll start partying over the weekend virtually as well. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny because I think um, when this is all said and done, and, and as you proved, we're going to get through this and survive. I think it almost it, it's kind of a, a wake up call to human beings to a be nicer to each other and 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 b like kind of what's really important you know what i mean like read a book learn a musical instrument check out some albums you've never heard before go online and sing karaoke with somebody it's kind of getting our heads out of our asses and realizing that we need to be more of a sociable type of people yeah exactly well not only do we need to be more social we also need to be more compassionate right because everyone's going to be going through a hard time nobody is going to be spared from this um, except maybe Amazon, which is terrifying. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's a good time to come together and celebrate life and celebrate each other and create stronger communities. Yeah, exactly. And and the community could be in a lot of different ways. Like you said, it could be a virtual community, online community. Have you been watching uh, Brian May's uh, at-home concertos that he's been doing? I have. He's amazing. Isn't he? Oh, my God. Yes, he is my all-time favorite rock star. Not just because I tribute him, but just because he's such a good person. When I got to meet him, he was so sweet. I mean, he was yeah. just so kind and so loving. And I was like, wow, you're so, I'm amazed that you're a rock star because you're so humble and so sweet. It was kind of like when I first met you, Chris, to be honest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I didn't know exactly how famous you, you really are. And uh, <laughs> and you wouldn't know it by, by meeting you because you're so genuinely kind and and humble and sweet. And then I discover, Oh no, you are actually a huge rock star. Okay. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And like I said, I'm really glad that we got to have this check. Cause I think a lot of people will get a lot out of it and know this is serious, but if you get it, it's, it's not a death sentence and there's a, a, a rainbow at the end of the pot of gold, at the end of the rainbow, but you got to take it. Uh, this is a legit thing. So, um, yeah, just be sure not to take ibuprofen and get yourself some azo just in case and learn how to take care of yourself because the hospitals are not going to help you. All right. Well, and when it's all done, go see the killer Queens and go thank uh, yeah. Nina for uh, helping us uh, through all of this stuff. Yeah. And even before this is done, come hang out with me online. I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> just search you. Nina Noir. You'll find me everywhere. Nina Noir. It's a very easy name to remember. Yeah. yeah. It's like the wine. Thank you so much and uh, stay healthy and uh, keep me posted on how you're doing. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. All right. Stay safe. Take care. Bye. Bye.